episode 806. Now that the May deadline is passed, the compensatory draft pick equation is much more clear. To find out what the Packers will be getting, we talked to Nick Corte of OverTheCap.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Green Bay Packers and their draft pick haul. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nick Corte of OverTheCap.com, who's been our guest several years running now. Nick, welcome back to the show. Thanks, good to have me here. Yes, uh, glad to be talking to you once again. We pretty much on an annual basis get your thoughts on the comp pick equation as you're one of the experts in that field. And before we get into the picks about next year, uh, just briefly here, Nick, let's take a look back at the recently completed NFL draft in which there was a record amount of trades. The Packers made a couple of them. How much did the ability of trading comp picks for the first time in 2017 affect that? Well, it certainly had to have some factor, you know, since by definition, one eighth of the drafts picks were opened up to being traded. Uh, by my count, a little more than half of all the year's draft picks in total were traded, and that included uh, 18 of the 32 awarded compensatory picks. Wow, that's just simply remarkable that that much movement happened this past year. Um, but now that the May deadline has passed, or pardon me, May 9 deadline has passed, we have a better idea of what the compensatory picks for 2018 will look like, but they're not set in stone yet. So, Nick, can you kind of describe what can still change them down the road? Well, the first step to look out for will be to see if any of the compensatory free agents fail to make their team's roster by the end of training camp in the preseason. There always seems to be a few every year. Uh, then during the regular season, adjustments are made for playing time via snap counts, and that list will be finalized soon after the regular season's over uh, when postseason honors are awarded. All right, we're going to keep an eye on that because that could impact what the Packers could get. Maybe not likely, but could. So, Nick, according to your projections, you have the Packers getting the full complement of four compensatory draft picks next year. We'll go through these one-on-one, one-by-one in a minute. But how often does it happen that the team get, that a team gets all four comp picks? There's typically a few teams that get four every year, especially the teams that uh, really care about getting comp picks, and certainly the Packers are one of those. Uh, the last time the Packers got uh, four comp picks was in 2012, so not that long ago. Okay, not too long. Um, all right, so talking about these players, uh, the Packers are expected to get a third-round pick for the loss of T.J. Lang, uh, the the highest awarded in the NFL by round. Uh, but Nick, there, there's quite a difference between the contract Lang signed compared to former Arizona Cardinal uh, Calais Campbell, 
who signed a contract averaging $15 million per season. Can you kind of explain why the third round is the highest a team can get? Because there's such a discrepancy between what Campbell got and what Lang got. Yeah, the simple answer to that is that it's just that the upper bound that the league decided to place. Uh, I don't know why that is, but even if you lose the highest valued player in the league to unrestricted free agency, uh, third round comp picks the best you're going to get from that system. Yeah, really kind of weird. I mean, not really weird, but just uh, some people may wondering why the discrepancy there. So hopefully that answers that. But uh, the loss of J.C. Treader, though, is projected uh, to be on the lower lower end of the fifth round. And the loss of Jared Cook is supposed to be on the higher end of the sixth round. So, Nick, is there any chance other factors could push Treader down or push Cook up? Uh, than what they might be or projected to be at this moment? Well, I'd say snap counts will be the key factor for close calls like that. Uh, For Treader, the good news for the Packers is that starting offensive linemen typically log almost all the snaps possible. So I think the odds are good that he remains a fifth rounder as long as he stays healthy. Now, as for Cook, he logged around 70% of the snaps in recent years, except for his last season, the one with the Packers, where he was more about 30%. So it's tough to say whether that would help him move up uh, to a fifth or whether he's going to stay at a sixth. I guess we'll just have to wait and see and monitor that. Um, Nick, I I don't think it's likely, but if there's any player – Uh, the Packers lost that might get cut. It could be running back Eddie Lacy, who was signed by the Seahawks. Just hypothetically here, what would happen to the Packers comp picks if that happens? Well, the good news for the Packers in that regard is that there are actually five CFAs they lost that hadn't been canceled out by CFAs signed. So as we mentioned earlier, the most comp picks one team can get in a year is four. So if Eddie Lacy were to be cut, and I agree that's unlikely because most of his contract was guaranteed by Seattle, uh, the Packers still have a spare opening left for losing Dayton Jones, who also signed for about the same amount as Lacy did. Yeah, so that's really good news for the Packers, who would still get that full complement of four more than likely, even if Eddie Lacy by chance were to get cut. Uh, Nick, the the Packers also lost Micah Hyde in the offseason, who signed with the Buffalo Bills. We haven't mentioned him yet. People might be wondering, why aren't they getting a pick for him? Uh, why, uh, Why aren't the Packers getting a pick for his loss? Well, this is a real rarity. The Packers actually signed someone that would count against their compensatory picks. That, of course, was Martellus Bennett. Uh, The Packers hadn't signed a compensatory free agent since going back to 2012 when they brought in Jeff Saturday, and that was a move that did not work out well for them. So that's a real rarity for uh, Ted Thompson, and I've been a bit critical of him for his strict aversion to signing any free agents that would count against comp picks. And I think there's room for, you know, both strategies. Ozzie Newsome of the Ravens really uh, demonstrates that well, in my opinion. This was a good year to finally break that streak since, as you noted, the Packers are still getting the maximum amount of four comp picks, even with signing Bennett. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, finally here, Nick, before we let you go, are we to assume Julius Peppers doesn't count in the compensatory draft pick equation because he's too old and doesn't qualify? And no, Pepper still counts. Now, there is a rule that states that players with 10 or more accrued seasons of experience like Peppers can be valued no higher than a fifth rounder. Uh, that rule should impact the Bengals in 2018 with uh, Andrew Whitworth. However, uh, one reason you're not seeing a comp pick for Peppers is because, once again, it, it's, it's amazing. The Packers signed two free agents <laughs> counting against their comp picks. Uh, Peppers is being canceled out by signing Jari Evans. Very interesting. So there you go, folks. Uh, that that pretty much goes from A to Z on these Packers comp picks. Uh, the how, what, where, and why, and when they're going to be getting them. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for shedding some insight into the, the equation here. We appreciate it. We'll call upon you next year again uh, when the Packers uh, – Get hopefully get another haul. Thank you very much. Always good to talk to you. Sounds good. Thank you. Nick Corte of overthecap.com, pretty much the the uh nations, the world's foremost expert in comp pick equations and projecting them and predicting them and he does it with pretty very good accuracy uh more than anybody else that I know of out there. So glad to get his insight and now that the May 9 deadline is passed, we have a better idea of what the Packers are going to get. And uh, it looks like the Packers are going to get quite a lot of draft picks in 2018. Really remarkable. So they already got their seven, you know, one in every round next year. They've got potentially, likely, four more comp picks coming. That's 11. They got one in the trade for Jamari Lattimore last season, very likely. So they'll have an extra seventh-round pick. That's 12, 12 picks in the NFL draft, likely, next year. Uh, that's a lot of ammunition for the Packers to potentially move up next season. Obviously, a long way away. But keep that in the back of your mind. It's, it's relevant now because we just passed that May 9 deadline, and we continue on with the show here. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, and, and one minor note related to we, what we just talked about with Nick Corte. After the May 9 deadline passed, we learned the Packers did not tender long snapper Brett Goode, according to a report from ESPN. In fact, Patriots running back LeGarrette Blount was the only player in the league to receive such a tender. This means the Packers won't get a comp pick even if Goode were to sign with another team, which is unlikely, understandably. Uh, but it's also worth noting that this also does not prevent the Packers from signing Goode down the road if they so choose. That avenue is still open. There just won't be any strings attached or contract guarantees that come with a tender. So just wanted to note that. But the even bigger news uh, over the last 48 hours since our last episode of Railbird Central is that the Packers have signed their top pick in the NFL draft, cornerback Kevin King, the first pick of the second round. He becomes the sixth member of this year's draft class the Packers have signed, leaving just four more to go. 
And we'll give even more props here today to OverTheCap.com because thanks to them, we have as accurate an estimate of King's contract as you can find. It will be a four-year contract worth just north of $7 million in total, something like 7.0 some odd figures. Um, I looked it up and you don't need to know down to the, the seventh digit or whatever. Uh, but the first year value of King's contract, so what he'll make in his base salary in 2017 is nearly $1.3 million. And his signing bonus will come in at nearly $3.3 million. So Kevin King, as of signing his contract, nearly $3.3 million richer. That's got to feel nice for him. Uh, so uh, we're able to make these estimates or overthecap.com is able to make these estimates because the league's collective bargaining agreement made the rookie slotting system so predictable, although it is worth mentioning that some very small aspects of each rookie contract can be negotiable. Uh, but anyway, Kevin King's contract is now out of the way, and you can expect the rest of the draft class to follow over the coming days and weeks. And it's, it's basically everything between Kevin King and D'Angelo Yancey that has yet to sign so the the top of the draft class and the bottom of the draft class is signed so i believe the four left would be uh josh jones montravius adams vince beagle and jamal williams they have yet to sign and don't worry folks they will over the coming days and weeks it is now a very rare occasion when any player holds out so no not even a concern there in other news, the Green Bay Packers announced several important dates in the offseason. First of all, they made official that players will report for training camp on July 26th, followed by the first practice on July 27th. This was something, if you were really motivated, you probably could have figured out for yourself before the Packers even made it official just by looking at the NFL calendar and judging by past years. Uh, but the Packers made it official for the first time on Thursday. But if, if you had already heard it, that's because people kind of pieced it together themselves ahead of time. And uh, they also announced the practices that will be open to the public for organized team activities. All the OTA dates were previously announced. These are just the ones open to the public one day per week. So these will be held on May 23rd, June 1st, and June 6th, all weather permitting and all at Clark Hinkle Field. That's the one right across from Lambeau Field adjacent to the Don Hudson Center outside. Finally, minicamp will also be held at Clark Hinkle Field from June 13 to 15, although the exact schedule is TBA to be announced because the Packers typically don't hold practice every day of minicamp. They usually do that one day for a team building exercise. So there are, there are days where you thought, oh, maybe I can go to practice and catch them. And then uh, they do this and it, it could the schedule could change. Just stay tuned. They will publish the information 
at uh, you know, the Packers' official website, but more than likely they will hold a practice the first day of minicamp, June 13, at least traditionally. Then it's the second day, June 14, that they take off, hold the team-building exercise, nothing open to the public, and then they usually conclude minicamp and the entirety of the off-season program on the 15th, the final day, with a practice strictly for younger players. Like they'll give all players with, I don't know, six and year, six and above years of service off, uh, which is kind of cool uh, because, you know, those players are, are the guys who le- need the least amount of practice. They need the most amount of rest. And uh, it gives you a chance to uh, create some openings for a day uh, for some younger guys to work with the first team or you know, just move up in the pecking order. So uh, that's really cool. So that's kind of what you can look forward to here over the coming weeks, uh, basically over the next month or so as uh, they wrap up the off-season program. But s- still another month of practice yet before they get to that point. But there's the schedule made official on Thursday. That's what the Packers have coming up. And guys like Kevin King, who I just mentioned before, getting back to him signing his contract, um, you know, it's out of the way. And, and now Kevin King can can head into the rest of the, the offseason program without that hanging over his head. Not that it should have been hanging over any rookie in the NFL's head, their contract. I'm sure they're curious about how much they're going to get and, they're, they're excited to receive a lot of money for the first time, but basically they all know they're going to get it. Um, but yeah, Kevin King now steps into a situation where he can start competing for a job. How seriously, how quickly, that still remains to be determined. I know that if you read, uh, you know, they're recently retired, which we never mentioned on the show, uh, Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, some guy whose reports we cite on the show many times. But um, beside the point of him being retired, if you would have read his thoughts on the Packers rookie draft class uh, before he retired, he is very much uh, of the opinion that the Packers should make Kevin King a starter right away, day one, not really fool around and make him earn it because basically he thought the Packers cornerbacks played so poorly last year, none of them earned it. So might as well put him in the starting lineup right away, get him as ready as possible and uh, get him ready to go. So he's, so he's ready to go on opening day and he's practicing with the starters and he's getting, you know, you know, getting all those things down as far as, you know, getting as much practice time as possible, communicating with his teammates and facing the best possible players across from him and everything that goes involved, everything that's involved with being a starter uh, that would get him prepared as quickly as possible. Um, That being said, that's just Bob McGinn's opinion. Uh, maybe there are many other people who hold the same opinion. Uh, there are some such as me who don't think it's that important for him to be a starter day one, primarily because the Packers, I think, signed Devon House in the offseason for a reason. And he can kind of, you know, as a somewhat tall cornerback or prior to the Packers drafting Kevin King, he was previously the tallest, you know, cornerback on the Packers roster. And I think he can kind of 
be the starter for the interim, kind of teach Kevin King the ropes a little bit, being a veteran, a guy who's been around the block, and uh, you know, just make sure that Kevin King, Devon House can be the starter until Kevin King is for sure ready. Um, we we all have high hopes for Kevin King being Packers fans, hoping he, he's going to be the next Richard Sherman, hoping he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. But with any rookie in the NFL, and even first round draft picks, this is a second, you know, you're not always sure what you're going to get your rookie year. Sometimes it just takes those guys that first year to get acclimated and they're not really ready right away. Or it takes them halfway through the season before the light bulb really goes on. Last year, Kenny Clark, the Packers' first-round draft pick, is a prime example. He certainly played early in the year. He played all year long. But it wasn't until late in the season that we really saw him making an impact. And it could be the same with with Kevin King here. Um, Okay. I, so I just think, you know, Devon House could be the starter at one position right away. You got Devon House and Quentin Rollins and Ladarius Gunter competing for the other one. Um, and, and those guys can be the starters for the time being just until you're positive. You, you know, if it's if it's clear by the end of the offseason program even that soon that, that Kevin King can be the starter, then by all means, day one of training camp, he could be a starter, first teamer. And you still have that whole time period to get them ready for preseason games, more than a month of practice until that first regular season game comes in early to almost mid-September. So I think there's plenty of time there. But anyway, there's just some thoughts on Kevin King the day after he signed, uh, or it was reported that he signed his first contract in the NFL. But moving on. The day ahead. One small note here on the Packers calendar in the foreseeable future here on the horizon. Not on Friday, but on Saturday, May 13, linebacker J. Roan Elliott will be presented with the 2017 Doug Jershell Nice Guy Award at a fundraiser for American Legion Baseball and other youth sports programs in the Clintonville, Wisconsin area. So, J. Roan Elliott will appear in Clintonville from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. And uh, pretty much at this time of year, right before OTAs start, that's about all I got for you on the Packers calendar over the course of the next few days. There will be a whole lot more coming up with rookies being integrated into the team's offseason program as soon as next week. But for now, that's all we've got, and that pretty much... All we got for today's episode of Railbird Central. So thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to Nick Corte of OverTheCap.com for being our guest. Previously, I had announced Brett McCormick of uh, the Rock Hill Herald, I believe it is, uh, would be joining us as our guest. Uh, we've just pushed that back. We're still going to have Brett on the show just a few days later than anticipated this upcoming Wednesday. We'll talk to him, uh, but we'll be back again on Monday. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Today it started at 8.15. I'm going to kind of see how things go here. My work schedule is a little bit kind of preventing me from 
starting at exactly 8.30 all the time now. I kind of got to iron things out and see how I'm going to work this out. If we're going to start this at 8.15 every day, I don't know. I'm going to sleep on it, decide. I'll let you know on social media. Follow me on Twitter if you really need to know. Uh, but the podcasted edition of the show, as always, will be posted later in the day. So thank you, everybody, so much for joining us here on a Friday morning. We'll be back again on Monday at some time. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a good weekend. And behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiruvu. I leave you today with a song called All Inside by Kyle Hollingsworth on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go.